Travelcast Director's Cut Special, Jelly Park. Travelcast Director's Cut Specials are a regular feature here on the Travelcast, where we rerun a notable Travelcast story from the archives, uncut, as part one. And then as part two, we replay the episode with bonus author commentary on top of the story, between myself and the author. We talk about the story, the process, the production. We give you interesting insights here and there on how the story and production were made and polished up, ready for your listening enjoyment. We do hope you enjoy. So without further ado, Jelly Park by Aaliyah Whiteley. I must have fallen asleep on the bus. It was the late night that did it, playing Portishead records with a bottle of Jack D and a packet of Black Sabranis for company. By 12 o'clock, I was singing Nobody Loves Me in a hoarse growl. By two, I was attempting to play solo Twister to prove that friends are just not necessary in life. By 3.30, I'd stolen the pot plant from outside flat six and chucked it out of my top floor window. I've had enough of decorative frippery for one lifetime. I don't remember going to bed, but that's because apparently I didn't. I'm still not sure how I made it to the bus stop, but I must have because I definitely woke up on the top deck of a double-decker and the view from the window was definitely of a rundown depot. My watch read 10.30 a.m., and the voice on the answering service of my mobile said, You are so bloody fired, you bitch. (laughs) That was my ex-boyfriend, and now my ex-boss speaking. From the smug tone, he meant it. He'd been looking for a way to get rid of me, though, and I wasn't really sorry I'd finally given it to him. So, I was no longer a legal secretary. What was I, then? You're in the wrong place, lovely. It took me a second or two to spot the speaker. He was half hidden behind the rail leading to the spiral staircase. Only his head and hands were visible. He was Welsh and grizzled and wearing a blue hat at a rakish angle. Um, sorry? This here is the end of the line, so to speak. At least passengers it is. Yeah, I can see that. I slid my mobile phone back into my bag. Passengers shouldn't really go any further than this sea, said the Welshman, who must have been the bus driver. Company employees only beyond this point. Beyond this point? But this is the depot. Oh yes, this is a depot. It's a depot all right. He sniffed and rubbed the skin under his large nose with one finger. I noticed he had very long fingernails. But there's more to life than the depot. At least for us drivers, there is. Uh, like what? He winked. Got you curious, have I? Well, it just so happens that we're looking for new drivers right at this moment. Would you happen to be looking for employment? <laughs> um. I thought about the phone message. I thought about my ex boyfriend and ex boss, and the ex friends who had sided with him after the breakup. What was I? I suppose I could be a bus driver, I said. Great. Put this on, lovely, and wait here. He disappeared back down the spiral staircase. I looked at the hat. 
It had a shiny black peak, and a silver badge had been sewn on the soft felt material on the crown. The badge read, Next Stop, Jelly Park. I had never bothered to read the badges on bus drivers' hats before, but I'm fairly sure I had never suspected they said that. At that point, the piped music started. It was a bouncy little tune, a brass band, I think. I looked around and spotted the orange and yellow striped speaker situated in each corner of the bus, just below the roof. It's funny how unobservant people are on their daily commutes. Then I heard the singing. It started very softly, and as I strained to hear, it got louder and louder until a sudden burst of volume hurt my ears. A stream of bus drivers in their blue caps and uniforms poured out of the depot building in a crocodile line, two by two, holding hands and singing with their chins tilted up to the sky. They marched to the bus, and I heard the collective earthquake of their feet tramping up the spiral staircase. Before I could consider hiding or, or jumping out of the window, they were on me, filling the seats around me, jamming themselves into every crack. They came in all shapes and sizes. There were only two things they all had in common, their uniforms and their singing. They were all perfectly in tune with the piped music, and they all knew the words. Keep your sponge cake, fling your flan, stick your donuts, cream and jam. Leave your custard in its can and give us all some jelly. Jelly is the bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet. Squishy underneath your feet, now give us all some jelly. <laughs> I had to admit, it was catchy. A young Asian woman with lustrous black hair took the seat next to me and gave me a wave. Hello. Um, hello, I said. Not singing? She asked. I, I, I don't know the words. But you can sing, she asked rather anxiously, I thought. There was a tap on my shoulder. I swiveled in my seat and looked into the beaming red face of a middle-aged man who had an enormous unibrow. Of course you can sing, love. I bet you sing those nasty 90 songs about nobody loving you or what have you. And you only sing when no one else is about, right? But you can sing. Come on, let's have a peep out here. Give it a go. He looked at me with expectation in his eyes. I cleared my throat and opened my mouth. As if of their own accord, words poured out of me in perfect time with the music. Uh, in a trifle from a mold, rabbit shaped or ice cream cold, nothing better, so I'm told, than a lovely jelly. Jelly is a bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet. Swishy underneath your feet, now give us salt some jelly. And we're off, cried the monobrow man. Sure enough, the bus started moving slowly out of the depot and along the familiar streets of London. It was a highly enjoyable journey, the singing never stopped, and it was fun to wave at all the annoyed-looking pedestrians standing at bus stops as we cruised past them. Soon the city melted away into green fields and sunshine, and I actually began to feel like one of the gang. But still, the mystery remained. What was Jelly Park? You'll see the Asian woman said, and winked. The green field soon became studded with gray buildings once more, and the sunshine disappeared behind a big cloud. It started to drizzle. 
We drove past a Mars bar factory. This is Slough, I said to my neighbor. She gave me a mysterious smile. We're nearly there, she said. But this is Slough. We just drove past the Mars bar factory. Here we are. They all cried at once, and we made a sharp turn left, everyone leaning against each other and clutching the rails on top of the seat in front of them. We pulled up with a screech into a large, empty car park, and I looked through the window at a squat, dilapidated building with a large, open gateway. Um, this is a warehouse, I said to my neighbor. Ooh, so close now, she said. Get ready for a treat. She grabbed my hand and pulled me to my feet. We joined the jostle to squeeze down the stairs and out of the bus. As we passed the cabin, the grizzled Welsh driver gave me an extra big smile. We got into formation and crocodiled through the open gateway into the shadowed, musty interior. All around us, piled high, were hundreds of cardboard boxes. The Asian woman let go of my hand, and the other drivers scattered apart, all running to a box each, whooping and grinning. Jelly Park! They breathed as a collective sigh. Then they opened the boxes and delved inside. I stood just inside the gateway and watched them pull out multicolored rectangular packets, no bigger than a fist. Catch. The monobrowed man called and threw a packet straight at me. I caught it as an instinctive reaction and turned it over in my hands. The label read, The Jolly Jelly Company. Break cubes apart and add one pint of boiling water. Pour into mold and refrigerate to set. It's jelly, I said. Or more precisely, jelly cubes. Packets of instant jelly cubes. Mine was lime-flavored. The others were ripping their packets open, tearing the cubes apart, and popping them into their mouths with accompanying noises of intense delight. Is this it? Is this Jelly Park? Well, what were you expecting, lovely? The monobrow man answered. I don't know. Something else? Like what? I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure I belong here, though. Then where do you belong? The others stopped chewing and looked at me expectantly. What am I? Am I a whiskey-drinking, cigarette-smoking, portis-head-listening and pot-plant-throwing kind of woman? Or am I a jolly bus driver, a singer, a laugher, a regular at Jelly Park? I ripped open the packet, tore off a cube, and popped it in my mouth. It tasted delicious. So now I drive the number 67 with a smile on my face. Nobody looks the badge on my hat, and nobody notices the yellow and orange striped speakers above their heads. But if you were to fall asleep while riding my route and found yourself waking up at the depot feeling a little lost and lonely, I might just invite you along to Jelly Park with me. Whether you come along is up to you.
I am here with Aaliyah Whiteley, a Drupalcast author who's published many stories on our podcast. We always love having her on the show. Uh, Aaliyah was born in Devon and is currently living in Sussex with her husband, daughter, and dog. That's writes, right. It's fantastic. She writes novels, <laughs> short stories. Non- I love it when people put their dogs in there because why would you want to leave that out? You know. I know. It's so important. It's so important. You know where you are with a dog person, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right there behind the daughter on the list of priorities and the hierarchy of needs. That's the thing I'm grabbing right after the daughter <laughs> in event of fire. Yeah. In the, the event of fire. Yeah. She's been published in The Guardian, Interzone, McSweeney's, uh, Black Static, Stranger Horizons, Drabblecast, of course. I didn't know, Leah, that you'd uh, recently, you're, uh, you've got uh, some novellas, an unsung story, The Beauty, yes. and, and uh, you were shortlisted for the Shirley Jackson Award and the Sabotage. And you had the uh, you made the honors list for James Tiptree Award, which is an awesome thing. Yes, yeah, that was really amazing. And those uh, novellas are now out in in the U.S. as well. They're published by Titan out in the U.S. So uh, that yeah, that's really amazing. Um, it's uh, it's it's been quite a wild ride since since Jelly Park went yeah. out there. I can't even remember when that was. What year was that? 2007, I think. I mean, wow, it's just so long ago. That was nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you always start start out kind of in the short story format or, and then kind of progressively move into novellas and novels? No, I, I kind of did it totally the other way around. So oh. I wrote, I think the first thing I wrote was like a 130,000 word novel and I've got progressively shorter ever since. Wow. So um, kind of came at it from the other direction. I'm going to end up on a, on the back of a postage stamp or something. But it, uh, uh, yeah, at the moment, I'm really enjoying writing kind of novella lengths, but I've always written short stories of, of whatever length as well. So That's but, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I always hear, and um, you know, the novella length is a very popular one now with with writers, and it's a hard one to sell into publications. It seems like because people like to either buy novels or short stories, but the novella length is what the authors seem to really dig into because it's kind of in between. Yeah, that's what they say, but you know, there's no reason not to love a novella that that perfect sort of length where if you really get into it, you could just read it in an evening. You know, I love that. Um, but also, I guess I just feel like I don't have enough time to commit to enormous novels after yeah. time now. So um, I just really love love that length. But I think, you know, people are starting to come around to it now and really enjoying reading at that length. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like the completionist being able to kind of wrap it up. But uh, whereas the short stories, like you can finish it in a car ride, you know, listening to an yeah. audio. But uh, all of them have the same arc, especially your stories. There's always kind of at least the ones that we've published on Drabblecast, which I think have been uh, we did Witchcraft in the Harem, which was really cool. Yep. Go yep. Beep, which we just did a um, Drabble Classics revision of. And um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's that, that's such a great story. It also parallels Jelly Park so much because it's also musical. Music's obviously yes. a big part of your life and a big part of your writing. Yes. Yeah. Or at least um, these particular kind of stories, as you say, where there's like a journey involved, it always feels like there's there's some sort of journey that the protagonist is undergoing and music seems to play a big part of that. But um, yeah, usually I get to the end of writing those stories and uh, feel like maybe that's one for the Drabble cast. It just <laughs> seems to be a certain type of story that I write that, that really seems to fit so well with what you do. Yeah, you definitely. Um, the last one we did was Day of the Dog, and you had said in the um, email, and I we kind of you know the Drabblecast just recently got rejuvenated, and that was one of our uh, I think our third or fourth story we've run, and you and I yeah. emailed you saying, hey, you found the contract, and we got things going. You said I was really hoping this would make it to the Drabblecast because it's a very Drabblecast story, and you were so yeah. right, like you know our market <laughs> so well because I love that story. I even posted specially saying I love this story on social oh, media. Oh, thank you, thank you. I it was I wrote it and um, for years. 
in my head. It was kind of the zombie dog air freshener story. And it's just not not going to go anywhere other than the Drabblecast. I just had it in my head. It was. But then obviously, you know, you had a break and whatever. So I was mm-hmm. just so, so glad when you came back and I could uh, get you to read that story because it was always kind of your voice in my head. Even though it was a female protagonist, it was uh, that strange thing where you read from a female protagonist. But it's definitely a Drabblecast story. Yeah, kind of like yeah. Jimmy Park. That's a, a yeah. female protagonist, too. And I rarely do those. And, and it always strikes me whenever I do feel like I can do those. And they've always been your stories, weirdly <laughs> So bring out the transvestite in me, Leah, I got to say. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one interesting thing about that, now you got me thinking about Day of the Dog, which is like the zombie dog air freshener story. Uh, and as weird as that is, and as weird as Go Beep is with like the, the, the balls and all the singing and the weird stuff, and yeah. Jelly Park is with Jelly and the bus ride, it's always still about the characters in the end. It's about them on their journey and like what yeah. they're doing. And that's that's interesting. But between all of those, oh, also Witchcraft and the Harem, that's another character that goes on a journey, you know, weird situation. Yes. And it, yeah. is that a female that I'm reading too in that one? Yes. Yes, Man. it is, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I think they're all your stories. But um, all of those ones, aside from Jelly Park, it seems like the protagonist is, is butting against this system of sorts, you know? Yes. And then Jelly Park is one of where they're embracing it in the end. Yes, it's got that. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, certainly in my head, it's always a journey against something into something. Um, but I don't, I don't give it a vast amount of thought in terms of you know being for or against the system. To mm. be honest, I think as you say, mainly for me, it's about the character, and I come up, come up with the character, and then I just want to know what happens to that character, and just write from that point of view um alone and and what comes out comes out so um yeah yeah there's not a great sort of thematic thing going on but i guess that's just the way the way that it comes out well it it works so well i think certainly (laughs) we we eat your stories up but um before we jump into the story here how how would you synopsize i guess the story of of jelly park in a couple sentences or paragraph I'm quite interested to hear it, actually, because it's been a good few years since I've heard it. So I'm looking forward to hearing it again. So as far as I can remember it, I would say it was about a disillusioned um, young woman who um, doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life and then realizes that the life that she thought was really boring has a lot more going on to it than she expected. And all she really needs to do to find um, a weird new direction is to to look at the hats of bus drivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great way of summarizing <laughs> it. That's and my um, my sum- summarization, I guess, as a producer would have been uh, that was so. That's Drabblecast episode forty three, back in December. 2007. I remember I was looking for a Christmas episode, and it's kind of not like specifically a Christmas episode by any means, but I twisted it kind of into that <laughs> into that yeah. uh, matter because that's what I was looking for at the time. But I remember seeing the lyrics in your story and yeah. going, "All right, now this is a chance for me to break out my keyboard and to come up with a, a um, you know whole soundscape behind this thing." And um, it was just a great. Uh, I love the collaborative thing that I sometimes get to do with the author, and for the for me, this really worked out well because it just yeah. I could see the ideas that you were going for, yeah, and and was just so excited to help put music behind this uh, in different themes and stuff. But yes, I felt that you absolutely got you know what the lyrics were aiming for, and um, the music just fitted so so well with that. In fact, I end up singing it 
quite a lot around the house, oddly enough. So <laughs> <laughs> That's not odd at all. I do it too. Yeah. I remember trying to think of the melodies and I had two different distinct melodies for the, you know, I had this Monty Python sketch in my head kind of of the silliness of um, of the situation of being stuck on this bus with a bunch of crazy yeah. people and not and being wrapped up in this adventure, not knowing what's going on. And, you know, part of me, Elias, has always thought that, you know, at the beginning of the stories, we'll see the um, protagonist is kind of didn't sleep the night before as yeah. alluded to some drugs and stuff. I'm like, what if this whole thing is, in a, is a drug-induced, <laughs> sleep-deprived, like, delusion? <laughs> it would be awesome. But she also wakes up from it with this bigger meaning. And I was like, that's just as cool. I mean, as if that it was real. That is cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that works anyway. I like it when you could it could work anyway. So maybe it's real, maybe it's not. Maybe um, it's real, maybe it's not. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, let's get going here. This is uh, this was Drabblecast episode 43. It aired on December 7th, 2007, believe it or not. Wow. We're all, we're all old. And <laughs> 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 but it's never too late to get on the bus. So Very true. Go. Very true. So that's the first theme is that. <laughs> I must yeah, have you're fallen asleep straight away on the bus. Gotta go with it, yeah. <laughs> it was the late night that did it playing Portishead records with a bottle of Jack D and a packet of Black Sabranis for company. Are you into Portishead? Is that a thing? I was, yeah, absolutely. Nobody yeah, definitely. And it was my, very much as in the story there, it was my, you know, place to go to when you've had a really bad day kind of music. They had a, they had a song that kind of went, Nobody Loves Me, in a, in a high voice over and over again. And I, I kind of latched onto that. But, you know, in my defense, it was 2007. I was a bit younger. So. Yeah, well, that, that leads to the question all authors love hearing, like how much of this was autobiographical at the time? Did you just go through a breakup or something? Because to me, it really nails that feeling of malaise after you're going through a breakup and you're just smoking Marlboros or something. I don't, I don't think I've been through a breakup, no, but um, certainly I was in a job that I, I didn't like. I can remember that much kind of okay. a, like a call center kind of a job and thinking oh i don't i don't want to do this um so yeah certainly it's one of those things where you just sit down and write from a position of how you feel right then to begin with i think and that's, yeah that's something that happens in here is of course getting out of that job tone yeah my watch read 10 30 a.m and the voice on the answering service of my mobile said you are so bloody fired you bitch <laughs> That was, my <laughs> was that like an American doing an English accent? <laughs> I kind of like it. I... <laughs> it works, but that's you being freed, I guess, from the day, the nine to five. And then suddenly that feeling of like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do right now? Yes. Yeah. You know, scary, but amazing freedom. Yeah. Um, I think I was probably hoping something like that might actually happen, but it didn't. I think I had to go on keep working there for a few years yet, but <laughs> I got out of there eventually. You're trying to explain to your boss. You're like, no, I got I was on this bus and there was jelly and I got, it was out by Slough. Trust me. And it just didn't work out. Go back to work. Yeah. This here is the end of the line, so to speak. At least passengers it is. Yeah, I can see that. I slid my mobile phone back into my bag. It's funny, that was, so that was Dermot McLennan, who was one of our other authors, and I was trying, this is back in the day, so we didn't have a whole lot of authors that were contributing it yet, and also our production values weren't great, wasn't spending a lot of time on that stuff, and I was asked him, since he was British, and, uh, hey, can you do, like, a Welsh accent, because this character yeah. Welsh, he's like, British people just can't do any accent, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I can't do any at all, so yeah. I, would, I would have been rubbish, but uh, actually, I quite like his Welsh accent. I definitely got the Welsh thing. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I figured like the very least it would be like a weird accent, and then this is that's the perfect story to get by on that and to use that. Yeah. Well, it just so happens that we're looking for new drivers right at this moment. He said like drivers, so it's got the he German. Did. So he, to me, I was like, there you go. That, he's got it. I thought about the phone message. I thought about my ex-boyfriend and ex-boss and the ex-friends who had sided with him after the breakup. What was I? I suppose I could be a That's bus the big driver. theme, right, for the whole story? Yeah, that's absolutely, right. absolutely the big question at the, the heart of that, isn't it? Well, yeah. What kind of person you're going to decide to be, I guess, you know, whether you're going to decide to stay on the bus or decide that the bus is ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big question. That's what I love, too, that there that is a question that um, you can decide. It's not like a foregone conclusion who you are. You get to decide yeah. to reinvent yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think she does. She makes she makes an interesting decision. Yeah. A lot of us would have made different decisions. And like The thing about a bus is you can get off at different stops, you know, to sort of stay on really means you're committing. Yeah. That is, that's the great thing, I think, about, uh, you know, being a writer is that it's not a decision I would have made. As soon as I spotted anything weird happening on the bus, I think I would have just, you know, got off at the next stop and walked home. <laughs> yeah. It's just so easy to do that, right? Like, it's the yeah, initial absolutely. reaction. Do you guys really... So there are double-decker buses in England, right? That's a thing? Yeah. Wow, yeah. I always just imagine that that's a... That's a why wouldn't we have, like, double-deckers? That's a cool... We should, we should take that on in the U.S., I think. You don't have that. You don't have, like, double-decker buses. Wow. No. Like, yeah, I think we all think that it's a made-up thing, but um, we have double-decker tacos. <laughs> wow, we definitely don't have that. No. See, see, now I'm quite jealous. Yeah, you know, we should talk. We should talk. We should get our yeah. governments together. We'll get uh, your people and our people in the same room and make some change. They came in all shapes and sizes. There were only two things they all had in common: their uniforms and their singing. They were all perfectly I love this build-up to the first, you know, the first sort of chorus and everything is so good. Your sponge cake fling, your flans, there it is. your donuts cream and jam, be your custard in its can and give us all some jelly. Jelly is the bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet, squishy underneath your feet, now give us all some jelly. That's like the idea of a bus full of people singing something together, you know, like we do when you're kids and you're going to summer yeah. camp. Yeah, exactly that. That's kind of the feeling I was going for with it, where you're, you're kind of um, free from public censure. You're just kind of all in the moment singing your song together. Um, yeah, I love that. And it's not like perfectly in harmony or tune or anything, you know? And it's no, all, it's, it's just... It's all excited. They're excited to go somewhere, be it summer camp or be it uh, some abandoned warehouse somewhere with a bunch of jelly in it. Yeah, yeah. And those songs that you all know the words to as well, you know. Yeah. And when you look at it, some of these songs are so ridiculous. It's not like the jelly song is really out there. I don't think, you know, you're singing about, do you have, um, you know, the bears that all fall out of bed, ten in the bed, and the little one said... Roll over, or is that is Roll that really over. British? No, yeah, I know that one. one. Yeah. Well, it's also if you ever go to church and you hear everybody singing some sort of hymn and they all just know the lyrics and you're like, how does everybody know this? It's a thing. Like it makes you just feel like, wow, there's a thing outside of my world because everybody knows it. Same with summer camp and same with this song. Imagine getting on a bus and everybody knows the lyrics and you're like, it just makes you feel like the outsider, even though all of them are the weird ones singing about jelly. Yes. Yes. Jelly is a bouncy treat, never runny, always sweet, squishy underneath your feet, now give us all some jelly. And we're off. 
cried the monobrow man. Is there sure so did Jelly? I'm always curious about your um, creative process because you got a weird imagination, and I love you for it. But did, <laughs> where did you did Jelly like a big part of your life, or where did that come from in this whole story? No, no, not really. Um, is, is Jelly the same the same over there? I think uh, what you would call Jelly, we would probably call Jam. Whereas Jelly is kind of comes in super processed cubes. Well, I'm surprised um, it doesn't as much. I'm sure we have that, but like we have, uh, um, I've never had to put water and jelly cubes together, but right. I'm sure it's a thing. I just don't need a lot of jelly. No, no, I don't really, but I have memories of um, my mum making yeah, a trifle when I was little. And what you do there is you dissolve your super cubes of jelly and then you set it um, with boiling water and then you add cream over the top and then you put like a layer of fruit. Um, so um, I I don't know maybe it sprung from that I certainly being remember ex being excited to be allowed to make jelly when I was younger so it had that element of you know fun to it and the best part was if you could just eat the the jelly cubes without even bothering to make the jelly at all which were probably super bad for you but um, so yeah maybe it was that element of childhood remembrance of it that that kind of came to me. I'm going to look into like jelly cubes now because it sounds dangerous. Oh, so I'm going to have to like, totally pound some jelly cubes. <laughs> <laughs> so you just eat these cubes and it's like an overflow powering jelly thing. It is, yes. Yeah, they're very intense, intensely kind of sweet. Yeah. That's neat because, I mean, a lot of our listeners are from the States, but um, I maybe didn't quite understand that altogether, but we still relate. And it doesn't, even if, it, even if it, we don't have those here, it's a cube of jelly, and it just fits in so perfectly with the narrative of the story. That's how jelly would look in a box. You'd pull it out, and it's a cube. It's like a, it's oh, a bizarre I see. way yeah. to do it. Yeah. A, it, it might as well be a funnel of floating jelly in the air at this point. You know? <laughs> it's so weird, like these elements of the story that I haven't really thought about before, like the double-decker and the jelly cubes and whatever, that don't exactly, you know, you're not seeing this, picturing the same thing that I'm picturing, but uh, it still works just because it's about being free and being weird and, you know. Break cubes apart and add one pint of boiling water. Pour into mold and refrigerate to set. It's jelly, I said. Or more precisely, jelly cubes. Packets of that instant jelly That reminds me, in fact, that um, when, when they sing in the song about uh, the rabbit-shaped molds, mm -hmm. that was definitely a thing from my childhood as well, where you'd get a plastic mold in the shape of a rabbit for some reason and set the jelly in that. I have no idea why. And I now want to go away and try and find out why that was. But yeah. it seems vaguely sinister when I recall it now. Well, but, we do that um, with chicken fingers. Like, we'll have, like, chicken fingers that are shaped like dinosaurs and other, and sometimes chicken. And it's like, right. oh, whenever it's a chicken, that's really twisted and sinister, right? Because it's a, it's chicken parts that are processed into reformatted cute chickens. Into dinosaurs. <laughs> or dinosaurs, yeah. Yeah. Why, why? Wow, that's... Food is weird. Food is yeah. weird. Yeah. And in this story, it's, just a, it's a medium in order to transfer yourself into a different yeah, state of being, really. The food is kind of the entry point. Like, if you, if this protagonist didn't eat the jelly, she would have been an, kind of an outcast, maybe. I don't know. If you went on the journey on the bus, but then you got there and you said, actually, I'm full up. I don't, I don't know. Would that be okay? That might be okay. That might be That would be okay. I'm sure these people, they seem to be the types of blokes and such that would be okay with being like you're fine <laughs> you don't have to take the jelly you're a vegan yeah it's like that's so that's cool today you don't have to you don't have to eat the actual jelly maybe just you know play with the jelly yeah. or something that would be all right it's yeah. like uh, Ulysses. That it's all about the journey and not the destination. You know? Exactly that. Exactly that. It's <laughs> about getting on the for. bus. <laughs> going for the Homeric poem behind all this. What am I? 
That's the tie into the end. Whiskey drinking, cigarette smoking, portis head listening, and pot plant throwing kind of woman? Or am I a jolly bus driver, a singer, a laugher, a regular at Jelly Park? I ripped open the packet, tore off a cube, and popped it in my mouth. It tasted delicious. So now I drive the number 67 with a smile on my face. Nobody looks the badge on my hat, and nobody notices the yellow and orange striped speakers above their heads. But if you were to fall asleep while riding my route and found yourself waking up at the depot feeling a little lost and lonely, I might just invite you along to Jelly Park with me. Whether you come along is up to you. <laughs> I thought it was so silly doing such a dramatic ending to such a funny story, but it really makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it really works. And it's funny, just listening back to it then reminds me that it's really the same in many ways as the day of the dog. You know, the, the question at the end of that is, you know, you're going to have it your way. It's, I guess it always comes down to a question of personal choice. Yeah, and also I, I, it seemed to be, I'd forgotten about the speakers in the corner of the bus as well. I was, was going really, to ask about that. What was that? Yeah, I really liked that idea of um, something so incongruous being there all the time, but you just don't notice it because you're just in your daily pattern of whatever it is you do, and you know you commute every day. Maybe you, know, you just don't notice the fact that there are these. Uh, these bright yellow and green things mm-hmm. in the corner, the corner of the bus, piping yeah. out music, and you don't stop and think, well, I wonder, I wonder what that's for. And you don't you stop know, and think about, like, should I look at the bus driver's tag and, like, his name yeah. tag and everything? Because maybe he isn't a legit bus driver. Maybe every bus driver is from some sort of weird alternate dimension. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but why would you stop? You're just trying to get from point A to point B blindly, just like our character starts out as. You know? Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, if you notice the small things in, in yourself and in the world around you, you might start to realize that things are much more complicated and bizarre than and there's more options. For yes. You. And a whole other sort of world going on that you just not not noticed at all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Man, I mean, it was just it was a really fantastic story because it did highlight all of that. And in our early days, I mean, I'd say that's episode 50, 50 or so. And prior to it, uh, we were trying to go in directions like this. And whenever we get a story that r- really um, highlighted some of the stuff I was wanting to do in stories that weren't just silly uh, intestinal worm or poop stories, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, it, was, it has a place in our heart. But it, we wanted to do some more complicated stuff and use weirdness in itself as a, as a method to communicate other ideas that were more serious. And, and yeah. uh, this story did it perfectly. I, I, I've always loved submissions from you because of that. Oh, thank you. I do remember, though, that one of the first stories I heard on the Drabblecast was The Worm Within, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the first stories where I thought, mm, actually, these people might might be interested in the kind of thing that I do. Because they're just, you know, trying to find somebody. I think that there are more people who are interested in what kind of get classified as the weird now. Things that don't necessarily belong so strongly to a particular genre or can't be defined so well. But back, back then at the time, I remember it being very difficult to kind of... I wanted to write these strange stories but uh trying to find a place that you know understood them or wanted to put them out there was very difficult back then so 
I was delighted when I first came across you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, and The Worm Within is a great example of that kind of, that, that's the only nonfiction story that we've ever run, but it yeah. had, he was able to just display, and we're going to do, I think our next one of these um, director's cut specials is going to have Vincent on it, um, talking about that. But it had this narrative that's felt like fiction, but he's such a good storyteller. He was able to uh, translate a real life situation, which is a parasite. And imagine yeah. having one of those in you. And, uh, I mean, it's just unfathomable. To, and it made it like, it, uh, it made it a weird story in itself. So it, it really worked. But um, that's why we've always kind of eschewed like science fiction or fantasy or horror as a genre label for us, because there is this whole body of work out there that is parts of all of that. And none of it really matters, right? Like it all comes yes. down to being able to use the weird like capital W as a yes. way to tell a story and, a, and a have a framework for an author to really tell that story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm really interested in in genre and how how we use it generally. And I think that's something I tend to explore quite a lot. But um, I I really like to, you know, have my cake and eat it. I want to use all the genres and play with all the all the toys in the box. So, you know, a bit of horror, a bit of comedy, a bit of sci fi or whatever, wherever it wants to go. I think because the overriding thing is the character for me, it's just wherever the story wants to go. So um, it's it's great to be able to be free and feel like you don't have to be constrained about where wherever the story may lead. So true. And I've been thinking about yeah. a lot too on that that point of that we we've had to for our Kickstarter fulfillment and stuff put in put in anthologies for best fantasy story, best science fiction and it's the first time in a while I've had to really classify our stories in these labels because I I tend to not do that because I don't think of stories that way, but I know we need to have classifications for bookshelves and things. Otherwise, how sure. would you be able to navigate? But then I also started thinking, you know what, like book bookshelves are becoming less and less, like with the internet age and everything, we're becoming less of a bookshelf kind of culture. Uh, yeah. You know, like, so it's it's more, the internet may be freeing up a little bit more of this genre openness to where we don't have to classify things as much and can uh, give people direction on what stories they'll like without having to say it's fantasy. And then they'll say, yeah. oh, it's got swords and dragons. It's like, no, it's a bigger genre than that. This story is very, <laughs> Jolly Park is as much fantasy as it is anything else, you know, but it doesn't have yeah. anything to do with elves <laughs> and things yes, like that. Yes, there's no high fantasy unless the bus drivers are in, in disguise. But no, it's just, uh, yeah, fantasy is such a huge kind of label anyway for so many things, you know, and it just, I, li I like things that come without labels. I've always liked stories that surprise me. Um, and that's that's definitely what I've always tried to create, I think. Yeah, assuming that yeah. our protagonist in the story is not on a drug-induced, uh, sleep-deprived coma of sorts, this is maybe just high literature, and it's just a fictional <laughs> story that is straight up told from a, a person who's coming out of a stupor and uh, telling it like it is. Maybe she has to go to work the next day. But on that, have Thank you too. ever gone through a uh, situation where you've had to jump in a career or a life situation where things have been risky or daring as much as staying on a, a bus like this? No, I don't think so. I don't I don't think I've ever kind of I mean a lot of weird stuff happens to me on a daily basis. I mean daily small weird. But mm -hmm. I think I think that's just in the way that I tend to perceive life like I find a lot of stuff really weird. Um so I don't That's know. Neat. Well, it's so fascinating yeah. that you're able to tap in then to to somebody. I think you're. I have. I mean, with the Drabblecast, obviously, we've. I quit a day job in order to do something weird like the Drabblecast. And that's my own yeah. personal Jelly Park bus. And you know, the, part of my brain has got realizes how crazy that is. They're giving up healthcare and stuff. But the other part is like, think of what you're gaining by being the Jolly Bus driver for so many people. And um, for you to be able to that's so cool. Be able yeah. to do that yourself and tap into that means um, yeah. so much as a writer because you, what the world is a limit 
if you're able to do that without having to go through it. You could do it like a World War II documentary next and you could still <laughs> not have been in World War II and, and get it, you know? Yeah, I, I think I really like that idea that actually you're a jolly bus driver and I'm a jolly bus driver. And perhaps being, a, <laughs> you know, being a writer or a creator is is being the jolly bus driver. That's another that's yeah. another element of it. And anybody yeah. can be a, a jolly bus driver. You just have to get Absolutely. on there. You have to put up with our shitty Welsh accents for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's good because I can't actually drive at all. So I quite like the idea of being you able to drive at all. No, I can't. <laughs> I don't know why my brain just doesn't work that way. I just keep failing the test. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's all, well, I mean, that's a lot of good to come from that, too. I kind of wish you don't have to worry about insurance and all that jazz. That's that's true. That's true. But po possibly that taps into why I'm creating jolly bus drivers on the sly. <laughs> that's true. But your buses are twice as big with your double-decker. So that... Yeah, that's true. If I was going to, you know, knuckle down and pass the test, I'd go for the double-decker bus license. Oh, for you sure. should. You really, that should be, you can do it. Just open that packet, Aaliyah and just pop it that's what out. i need i need to fill the bus <laughs> buy the bus first fill it with jelly oh man <laughs> the first thing you would do would drive them out somewhere by slough into a field and be like this is the jelly field <laughs> <laughs> i really wanted at that point in the story i really wanted it to go to some place which is so not um inspirational or you know fantastical or anything so there's the shock in the the thing yeah the, the story of that oh, and um you could really i've been to slough um driven past a lot of these faceless factories yeah. um, and thought it would just be so cool if you could actually pull over and go in and they're all jumping around with you know jelly or some, something amazing like that there, so. there's definitely like an alternate ending piece to this that you could write as like a patreon or something that is uh takes it in a very dark direction where they go into a warehouse and it's like you would normally expect and there's no yeah. jelly and there's no happiness it's literally scary or something or really weird because if, you, if somebody did abduct a bus full of people and you weren't you were like caught up into this like insane situation with all these people singing along uh, yeah. it, could, it could go a lot of ways for you you know that is that is true it reminds me actually of the in Dirty Harry, you know, I love that film. And um, mm -hmm. the the really evil protagonist, I think he kidnaps a busload of school kids at some point and makes them sing as they go along. And I, yeah, that's kind of the flip side of the whole jolly jelly bus really isn't it it's uh, it could be it could be speed yeah. three where if he starts slowing down the jelly bus then um it's there's a bomb attached to it and the whole oh, thing will explode jelly keep, explosion yeah absolutely just jelly all over the place and the authorities are involved and everyone's yeah. still singing and just lunatic and you're sitting there clinging to the, the handrails and like what have i gotten into <laughs> <laughs> it's weird actually because um the a book I've just had published in the UK, which is called The Loosening Skin. Thinking about mm -hmm. it, that's got a moment where they drive to a, um, a factory on the a warehouse on the outskirts of London and get out and go in there and find something um, fantastical, but it's utterly on the other end of the scale of unpleasant. So, but I'm thinking about it, the inspirations are from the same place, actually. So, yeah, there's obviously yeah. a lot you can do with this whole driving to places and entering deserted warehouses there is yeah right about halfway <laughs> through you can be like where am i going to take this bus <laughs> yeah is it going to the good place or the bad place let's yeah. find out <laughs> that's neat well lee it's been awesome talking to you and um i can't i i definitely want to read your newest stuff i can't wait to have the next story submitted to us and, and to have that run on the drabblecast it's been such a pleasure having the three or four stories we've run so far oh thank you, you. And uh, I'm going to post on the uh, show notes here all of uh, Aaliyah's novellas and things that are coming out so you guys can check out the latest thing that she's got going. But I uh, hope you all enjoyed this, this ride with Aaliyah and I through Jelly Park one more time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Aaliyah. Thank you. Thank you.